want to do, see, he's still laughing. He thought that was pretty good. On a serious note, because we believe everything the media says, not, and they tell you how Ukraine is making an offensive over there, Russia controls 20% of the nation of Ukraine right now. They control 20%. There have been 320,000 Ukrainian men and boys that have been slaughtered in this war. Hear me, 320,000 that you're not hearing about. While America roots them on, sends them stuff like lambs to the slaughter. Our Secretary of State was on the board of our second largest defense contractors. That's where he worked. Got a bonus of like $7 million while he was there. We have warmongers that are leading this country because they're trying to destroy. But if we're not careful, church, we're about to get into a nuclear war, I promise you. Because Russia's about had enough. And some of like the major papers in New York are saying, are you ready for a nuclear war? And they're trying to give you steps to prepare. You can't prepare for that. There'll be nothing left if that thing goes off. We need to be praying because my heart aches for all those other children and wives and mothers in Ukraine and also in Russia for those because people are stirring stuff up. You see, when Gorbachev stepped away and we told Russia that NATO wouldn't get any further. We wouldn't add anybody. We had 16 nations. Now there are over 30 nations. We keep breaking our word. But you don't hear about this. I'm not pro-Russia or pro-Ukraine. I'm just saying war is terrible. And you need to be praying for leadership in this nation. Because we need help. It's so sad. So sad. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. I know we've been in the book of Ephesians, and we've been talking about the armor of God, but I just want to change direction a little bit today and talk about dads, fathers, Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is not a suggestion here. This is not something that Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is saying. It's koina is the Greek style that this is being written in. It's an imperative move. It's called an instructive move. It is a command from God that we are to instruct our children, men, and we're not to provoke them to anger. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. But bring them up in discipline. I'm telling you, today we lack discipline with our children. This is why we're seeing a lot of the mess in schools. We have a lot of homes that don't have fathers in the home, but we've got this new breed of parents that 
You don't do anything to them, they'll grow out of it. Let me help you out. They will not grow out of it. Those first five years are so important for you to help discipline them. Oh, some people aren't going to like this. I knew I shouldn't come to that church, you know. I'm the dad that probably only spanked a total of my three children, totally, maybe four times total. And that's not all of them that I, just four. I'm not a spanker, but I, I had discipline in our home. There were rules they were to follow. There were things that they do. There were consequences for not doing it. When they get on the floor and they roll around and they do, I will take them out of that room to a secure, non-camera place. And I would light them up. Now, you can do with that what you want. What's he mean by that? It's on you. You can just think about that. Fathers, do not provoke it. Well, that's going to make them angry, not if they've not obeyed. I'm all about the five languages. I think it's important. You learn their love language and you learn to help discipline them. But when they're little, they need your attention, Dad. They need your help. They need your instruction. It's important. You are to disciple, instruct, help them become disciples. So let's look at Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Jesus is speaking here. And he answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Er-t. Not 90 different whatever you want to be. I mean, when the state of Illinois is putting cat litter boxes in bathrooms, there is something wrong. We have screwed their minds up. That's ridiculous. We used to have homes if people were whacked out that we sent them to because nobody could help them. We may have to start building those again. I know I'm going to make a lot of friends here today. We're medicating these kids. We're medicating these adults. Have you been down to Lafayette Transitional Housing lately and drove around that block? It is pathetic. Fighting one another, going nuts. And the reason they're outside is because many of them, if they don't follow the rules, they don't get a room, so they just hang out there. And my heart aches for them. I'm not. But what we're doing, and we've opened up the borders. Those that are 50 and over. You better count your blessings because what your children and grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are going to face is unbelievable. All hell is breaking loose out there. Well, I didn't come to get that today. Well, you better open up your eyes. You didn't come to a safe sanctuary. You came to a sanctuary that's going to be full of truth. It says here, 
in the beginning, he made them male and female. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Not living together, not enjoying extracurricular sex outside of marriage. You save yourself because the stuff you're doing before marriage, what you've been doing, what you think every in moderation, your children are going to do in excess. Fathers. If you're a big enough man to father that child, then you need to marry that woman. It frustrates me to no end to see all these kids running around without moms and dads, one gone or the other. I thank God for foster care. I thank God for the people that are helping out in foster care. I thank God for those single moms or single dads that are making it happen. But I want to tell you something. If you think it's easier to divorce and go out there and do something, you're nuts. That same junk in your life is going to show up four or five years later. Because it just wasn't them. It was both of you. Aren't you feeling really encouraged right now? God made them male and female to leave and cleave. Listen, that is a biblical ordinance, and that's pre-politics. That is a biblical ordinance, and biblical ordinance is the word of God It outweighs anything that some crazy in office thinks he's going to do or she's going to do. It goes back to Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And then verse 28, and God blessed them. Come on now. God creates Adam He creates Eve, and what does the Father God want to do? He wants to bless them. You've got a heavenly Father that wants to bless you. That was the original design. Oh, God's up there waiting to just beat me up, hit me with. No, no. God's intention is to bless you. That's how much he loves you. We miss this stuff. God wants to bless us. It's funny that when we look at Genesis 127, civil government does not have the authority to make us deviate from the Word of God. So God created man in his own image. He formed man from the dust, then breathed life into him. Then he formed Eve out of Adam. Now, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently You shall teach them diligently. You shall teach them, fathers, diligently 
to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God expects us as dads to teach diligently. It's important that we understand that. Parents, you got to love God with all. Not, well, I just love God, but I love her so much, or I love him, or I love my job, or I love my hobby, or I love, I love working out. Can I tell you something? There are more screw-ups in workout gyms than any place I've ever seen. Rooting one another on, encouraging one another. Let's CrossFit. You can see how much I work out. <laughs> and let's boost each other on. And all of a sudden, the opposite sex is encouraging you, encouraging you, encouraging you. And your spouse is not there, or if they're there, not listening. And all of a sudden, you've got a mess on your hands because you're taking in some stuff. And you're getting tempted. Oh, and don't talk about this. Come on. This is destroying marriages. It's destroying lives. I've seen it time and time and time and time and time again. I'm not against working out. Just get your machine, put it in your garage. I don't need to see your body. I don't need to see guys jacked up on steroids. I don't need to see guys get an extra boost of testosterone from their doctor. I've been around those guys. If they're not careful, they become monsters. And if they're really not careful, it attacks their body later. And then I've been around guys that are jacking their wives up with this stuff. Be careful. Come on now. There's some natural things you can do to help yourself out. It's getting real quiet in here. The first prerequisite of being a parent, of being a father, is to love God with your whole heart. Here's where we messed up. We love our retirement. We love our car. We love our yard. Some of you pay more attention to your yard than you do your children. Come on. I pulled up with one guy's house, accidentally got a tire on his yard. He went nuts on me. What are you doing? Do you know how hard I work on it? Your tire is on my yard. Oh, man, I'm sorry. He went on and on and on. I got it off. I went over there, and I rubbed it. And I said, Jesus, just bless it. And I looked at him. Jesus loves me so much, he forgives me. Are you going to forgive me? Oh, my gosh, we go nuts on things. If you've got grandbabies, they are going to knock things down in your house. If you're a parent, they're going to knock things down. Jesus says you're to teach, but many have decided Instead of teaching to their children, they preach to them. Many have decided instead of teaching their children, 
They just want to play. Many have decided instead of teaching their children, they just want pleasure things. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. I'm not against any of that. But you better have the foundation of the Word of God. Because this world is going to teach them something. The Lord intended for fatherhood to be the ultimate example to our children of how to love God, how to love others, how to love their mother, how to respect their mother, to love God with your whole heart. In Hebrew, in Deuteronomy there, that word, when it talks about instruction, it talks about diligence. Shanab. Fathers, there's a huge responsibility upon you not only to be a provider, not only to be a husband, but to be an excellent father. An excellent father. Yeah, but I've got to make money. But not at the cost of relationship in training your children up until they're 13. They get 95% of their morals by the time they're 13. So much is established in the first five years. There's a huge amount that is established in the first 18 months. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. In verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? You see, Saul was the king that the people chose. God didn't choose him. The, the people wanted a king. Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears, I mean, they're so freaked out by Saul. If he hears me, he'll, that I've gone someplace and I'm looking for another king, he's going to kill me. Let's keep going. And so he goes to Jesse's house. And when they came, he looked at Eliab. And he thought, surely this son, Eliab, is, this is the guy. He's tall. Kind of like Saul, he's good looking. This is the guy that's going to be the king. And God goes, no. Then he goes to Abinadab, surely this is him, no. Then he goes to Shammah, no. And he goes through all of his sons. And he says, which one is it? And none of them, God says, is the one. And Samuel looks at Jesse and he says, do you have any more sons? And Jesse goes, one more. Did not Samuel tell Jesse to bring all his sons? One on the other side of the mountain, one out there by himself, one, if you read Psalm 51, something happened that was embarrassing to Jesse with David's conception or birth. Something was not right. Psalm 51, verse 5, 
and he didn't want to bring that boy in. He called him ruddy, small, red-headed. And finally, they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and David comes. And Samuel is told by God, this is the next king. This is the king that I want, that God the Father wants. Can I tell you something? Many of you were rejected by your father. You were set aside. You were not his favorite. Even if you're a daughter, you weren't his favorite. He set you aside. He was never there. He never did. And you understand what David is feeling here. And then we jump ahead here and we go to 1 Samuel 19. David's anointed to be king. David kills Goliath. David is a mighty warrior in the army, winning many battles. And all of a sudden, Saul, who embraced David because he could be a father figure to him, embraced him, brought him into the the palace, took him in, took care of him. All of a sudden, Saul gets jealous of David. Another father figure that's rejecting him. David goes to Jonathan and he says, listen, your father had tried to kill me. He tried to pin me with a spear. He hates me. And Jonathan's like, no, 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 not my dad, not my dad. So in 1 Samuel 19, he tries to kill David. Then we get to 1 Samuel chapter 20. And we look here at verse 2. And it says, and he said to him, far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. And why should my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So they concoct this little scheme. And David leaves the palace. He's going to hide out in the woods. But Jonathan tells his father, Saul, hey, David had to go to Bethlehem, back to his father. They're going to do some type of sacrificing or whatever. And Saul finds out after, first he's thinking, oh, he must went back. It must be some prayer time or something that they're going to do. You can read the whole story there in, in 20. But after the first day, Saul's a little bit, okay. Second day, he doesn't show up. Finally, on the third day, he looks at Jonathan. Where is David? He went back home. What? Yeah, he went back home. And he's like, what, what, what are you talking about? He left. I can't believe, I want him here. He just starts going nuts. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan starts defending David. And Jonathan's own father takes a spear and throws it at his own son. And he misses him, and Jonathan gets up, and he's like, you are out of order here, Dad. This is wrong. And he goes and he warns David. Why are you telling us this? Because there are too many men that you have been rejected by prominent people 
your father, your uncle, your grandfather, whoever, and you have been hurt and wounded, and God wants you to know you're still his anointed. Because God doesn't look at the exterior, and he doesn't look at who's done what to you. What God does is he looks at your heart. And if you have a pliable heart toward him, when everybody else has set you aside, when it seems like people have come against you and you lined up in the birth order here and this didn't work out or you've been set aside, God never, ever forgot you. Moses' parents feared for his life. They put him on a, in a basket on the Nile. He gets taken in. by one of Pharaoh's daughters. Yes, his mom gets to nurse him or whatever, but then he goes and he spends 40 years learning the way of the Egyptians. Then he has to leave because he kills an Egyptian and he spends 40 years out in the desert. And God comes to him and he says, hey, I want to use you. No, 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 no. I stutter. You can't use me. I, I, I don't want to be back there. I, I don't want, no, and and they argue, and then God gets mad at him at the burning bush. You know, they talk about all this, and they go through it a little bit later. He's upset at him, and he says, listen, I'll bring your brother Aaron and allow him to speak for you. Some of the greatest people in the Bible faced major rejection. Well, why are you telling us this today? Because I want you to understand, fathers, God still wants to use you. But here's the other thing, dads. Let's go back to what I said earlier. God wants to use you to make a difference in your children, to teach, instruct diligently. And sometimes that means you step away from some stuff and you say, it doesn't matter. I'm taking a step of faith. I'm going to let God redirect everything. When I was working in industry and making really good money and my wife was making really good money, but I felt this call into the ministry, and I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it. And then I got a phone call asking me to come and interview at a church to be a youth pastor. And I'm like, I told them. I said, if there's one board member that's not in favor of me, I will not do this. Took more than a half cut in pay. Couldn't sell my house for another year and three months. Lost everything we had in savings. With my wife every morning at the church, 6 a.m., praying, asking God to please help us. Finding out years later that God laid it on staff's heart, the pastor's heart, to make a house payment, but they couldn't let go of the money. They wouldn't do it. Finally meeting with my pastor, and he said, I said, listen, man, because we moved out of state back here, my insurance on my house down there, they consider it a fire hazard because we're out of state. It's gone up to $800 every three months, plus my $500, $517 house payment. We're, we're losing everything, and I'm making $15,000. I didn't say, please Help me. I just said, what, what do I need to do? I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I know. And he goes, you need to file bankruptcy. That's what my pastor told me. I'm like, what? 
do that. If God called me here, and that's your best advice for me, you know what I learned through that whole thing? Was that my source was always going to be God. Not man. God would walk me through that. And we sold it. We sold it for $400 more than we paid and we owed on it. I gave the $400 to my realtor. I owed her more. About 10 years later, as I was praying, the Lord said, now, you're starting to put a little money in the bank. I want you to take that percentage that you weren't able to pay your realtor and send her a check for the rest of it. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Wilma Kirk was her name. I got a hold of Wilma. I called her. I said, Wilma, do you remember me, Owen Mason? I was going to the ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilma, I didn't get you paid your whole thing because we didn't have the money. But I, oh, Owen, you have to do that. Oh, no, 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 I have to do this. Oh, please be, be me. She wrote me a long letter back of what she did with it and how the, she used it for the kingdom of God. But I just wanted to honor God in everything I was doing. This is not a poor Owen story. This is a, a story that if you will trust God with his calling, if he called you to marry that person, if he called you to have those children, if he called you to go and work in that place, would you please trust him during the journey? It's so easy today to punch out on everything. And God say, wait a minute. If you were in the wrong, before I can do anything for you, you got to go back and ask that person to forgive you. Come on now. Oh, this really gets tight. When I get married... About 10 years down the road, I remember telling my wife, hey, you know some of those gals I dated? And I was just really rude and mean to them. And the Lord's really convicted me. She's like, you should apologize. Oh, my gosh, I knew you were going to say that. So as I bumped into him, <laughs> as the years went by, <laughs> I said, hey, I need to ask you to forgive me. Because I was very immature and rude. And they did. But it's like God just taking care of that baggage. Dads, there are things we have to make right. There are things that we have to do. You could be a David, a Jonathan, a Moses. And God still wants to use you. You just need to pray you don't have to spend 40 years in the wilderness. But for Moses to do what he was going to do, that's what he had to do. Look at Joseph. He was the favorite. The favorite, and he still spent 17 years or 13 years, whatever it was. Slavery, prison, 
Life's not fair, amen? But as a dad, we can make a difference with our children right where we are today. If you've hurt or wounded them, apologize. Ask them to forgive you. Ask your spouse to forgive you. Stand with me this morning. I go back to Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. With your heads bowed this morning, As the Lord gave me this message about four days ago, he just really laid on my heart that there are some men here that have been deeply and at times on purposely, purposely wounded by parents, by siblings. There was a bias toward them. And it hurt. And it was a deep wound. Because they didn't line up with their dads and what their dads wanted. Or maybe their dads were more about things and fun things. You know, not everybody's going to be an athlete. Hello? And only 2% of the athletes, 2.4, get a scholarship or, or make it into the pros. I'm sorry. Or actually get a scholarship, yeah. Sports has become a god in this nation. And parents are trying to live through their hobbies that they wanted to do through their children. Be careful that you're praying and asking God, what is it that you have for this child that I need to... I mean, that's what that whole scripture is. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. It's not about leading them to Jesus. It's learning their gifts, their talents, their personalities... And then directing them how God may want to use them in a certain area as they grow older so that they can be effective and be content in their giftings so that they can make better decisions and be led to do what God wants them to do. Learn who your children are. Are they hands gifted? Are they heart gifted? Are they mind gifted? Now direct them in that direction. And you can tell what they are when they're little. You can listen to them and you don't, oh, their hands gifted. Oh, their mind gifted. Their vocabulary is out of this world. It's amazing, you know. And then you can direct them so that God can use them. We have so many adult men so frustrated because they're doing things God never wanted them to do. So with your heads bowed, if you're that dad today, or maybe you're not even a dad yet, but you were, you can line up with Jonathan or David. It doesn't matter. But your self-esteem has really been attacked. Nobody looking around. This is hard for men. I don't want any ladies looking around. But you'd be honest, you'd say, man, I really struggle with that. Can I see your hand? Because I was one of those guys. 
I was one of those guys. I didn't measure up to my dad. He told me that. Put it down. Anybody else remember me in prayer? A lot of hands went up. Yeah, a lot of guys. Anybody else? Yeah, young guys lifting their hands. Thank you, guys. Anybody else remember? Your father loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose. You can mess some things up, yeah, but God can forgive. And as far as the east is from the west, he can forget and you can move on. Yeah, there can be some consequences because of those decisions. But I tell you, trusting God, it's amazing what he wants to do in and through you. Anybody, any other guy say, remember me in prayer, Owen? That's me. Just lift your hand up, take it back down. You're David, you've been sent out on some hill. You're a Jonathan, you're in the palace, you guys have everything, and in front of everybody, your father tries to kill you. Oh my gosh. All because of rage and jealousy and selfish ambitions and insecurity, embarrassment. Any other guy before I pray, you say, that's me. Just lift it up and take it back down. Yeah. Man, I know it's tough for us guys to do that, but. I remember driving in the car with my dad, and I didn't do the thing that he wanted me to do in the car because it was dangerous. He wanted me in his lap and drive, and he was drunk. I was probably seven or eight. I already done that once and ran over eight mailboxes. And he was so mad at me, but I, and I said, I'm not going to do that, Dad. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get in that. And, and he laid it out. He said, you're not a son to me. You're not my favorite son. So I spent the rest of my adult life through college trying to get my dad's approval. Some of you can line up with that. It's not a poor Owen story. When I found out who I was in Jesus and how much my Father in heaven loved me, it turned my life around. And that's what Jesus does. And that's what Father God does. I could have had Adam up here, Pastor Adam. He could tell you what a really great dad was. He had that dad that hugged him and kissed him and loved him. I asked my sister this week, I said, did we get a lot of I love yous growing up? She said, never. We never told each other we loved him. Our parents didn't tell us. I said, I thought so. I said, why do you think I'm so huggy? And I, I tell my kids and my wife, and because you stayed in church, brother, and you learned from men in your churches what the love of God was really about. And they encouraged you and they built you up. And I'm like, you're right. God used the men in the church to make a difference. I'm going to ask all the dads to come up here and stand up front. We're going to pray for you this morning. All dads, if you're able physically, just squeeze in. Before I pray, I remember my son Jared's up here at the keyboard and 
we had a lot of fun growing up, but I'd get in the shower and he'd throw cold water on me. And after a while, I got old. And I said, Jared, don't do that anymore. Next morning, I'm in the shower. <laughs> I hear him laughing. I said, I ask you not to do that anymore. So I took him to school. He walked on in. He didn't know I was going to park the car. I come back to his eighth grade class. Teacher's not in there, but I walk in. And I said, Jared, Daddy's here. I want my kiss. <laughs> in front of all the students. Daddy's here. I want my kiss. He's like, I won't do that no more. I won't. Leave, leave, leave. He's never forgiven me. Standing before me are some Johns, some Peters, some Matthews, but also there's some Davids, there's some Jonathans, there's some Moseses, there's some Josephs here, but there's some Pauls. Can I tell you, men, Jesus loves you so much. You were born for such a time as this. Did I do everything right in my home? Absolutely not. Did I fall short? Absolutely. But I just kept asking God to make me a better father. And when he showed me areas that I fell short on, I said, God, with these grandchildren, I'm going to make up. I'm going to help my son-in-laws and my son be good dads by me assisting and encouraging them. You guys matter to God. It wasn't a coincidence that you came to church and you single guys that raised your hand about what you went through, you matter to God. I want everybody standing behind you. Ladies, help me out. Would you extend a hand up here? We're going to pray for these men. Some of you ladies have been hurt and wounded because they have failed you. <laughs> they have let you down. Can I ask you this morning to forgive them? <sighs> Even though they've never said anything, can you just go ahead and forgive and trust God to start doing the changing on this side of them. Don't bring up all those, those things over and over again. Because, ladies, you have a mind like a safe. On June 12th at 3 p.m., you did, oh. They forget in about a week, I'm telling you. Men, I just want you to pray this prayer with me, and then I'm going to pray a blessing over you. Say this out loud. Jesus, I'm flawed. I've walked through some stuff. There's been unfairness that's been applied to me. Rejection. Mistreatment. But you, Jesus, were there. You've always been there. I matter. 
Forgive me for harboring resentment, anger, and unleashing it on my current family. Allow me, Lord, to walk out the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the meekness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, God, that you have for me. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to change my life, change my thoughts, make me pliable for your kingdom. And it starts right now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray for each one of these men standing here, those that raise their hand, those watching by live stream, God, that you would just wrap your arms around them. I know, God, I said some hard things about things in our past, but if we turn and repent, good things can be ahead of us. So help us to do that. Help us to forgive those that have hurt and wounded and rejected us from parents to family members to former spouses even to our own children or siblings help us God to show them your love and let them see you in us I pray I speak blessing over every one of these men that God they will just stand in honor of your love for them and be a light like never before because we need them in Jesus' name. God bless you, men. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. God bless.